You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Sometimes I feel like it takes me uh, a particularly long time to learn certain things in life. I don't know if you can identify with that, but there are times where, where you finally, you know, something just makes sense. Something clicks and it makes sense and you learn something and the light goes on in the attic. But when it does, it kind of hits you. It's like, what What took me so long to to get this, to, to where I am now, to understand this thing? And uh, the example that, that I would use for me is, uh, it's kind of a lighthearted one. I I'm a music fan, right? So I love music. I love songs. And I have favorite songs. I have, I don't know, hundreds probably of of songs that I would call my favorite. And they mean a lot to me, you know, and I've listened to these songs perhaps for for years and years and years. Um, I could sing along with them. I could even play them maybe. They're my favorite songs. But after knowing this song, any given song, but then at some point... Maybe someone tips me off to something about the song, or, or I hear an interview, or I actually just pay attention for the very first time. And suddenly I hear the lyrics as if I've never heard them before, because they mean something to me, right? I have some context, or some understanding, or whatever. Sometimes it's just nothing. I just pay attention for once. And it's like, oh man, like they're singing about this, you know? And it's amazing, or interesting, or whatever, and there's... Suddenly there's a new depth and appreciation and meaning to this song that I've, you know, I've known for a long, long time, but I've never really perhaps paid attention to or known very well. There have been uh, moments like this where the light goes on in the attic, so to speak. There have been moments like this that look similar to what I just described for me in uh, my faith, right, in my journey as well. And I'm, I, I, I'm sure there have been for you, too. Um, maybe there's only been a couple times, right? Really big things. We can maybe list them on one hand where God has, has truly changed and, or clarified or however you want to put it. Uh, uh, he's, he's changed your perspective on something uh, in the Word, in your relationship with Him, in the way you see the world, whatever it is. And these are good. These are, these are revelations, we call them, because they're big things that change the way that we see things. And the reason I'm talking about this, this kind of, you know, revelation, these big, these big moments where we say, aha, I get it, is because, um, the passage that we're going to go through in First Peter this morning describes, uh, that moment for me. And, and I actually didn't even realize it till halfway through the week as I was reading and praying. Um, so it wasn't this particular, you know, these few passages that necessarily led me to this place. But what they're talking about is a thing that has totally affected and changed my, my relationship with God and benefited me in a very profound way. Uh, so without, you know, going on and on about that, let's read the, let's read the word and then we're going to discuss it some more afterwards. We're in First Peter. Uh, we're still at the beginning of our, our sermon series titled Living Hope through First and Second Peter. Um, so, so this morning we're picking up where we left off last week, 1 Peter 1, verse 10. 
Peter says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit in Christ or the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that you have now be, that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for uh, the divine revelation of Scripture, of your words spoken uh, so long ago as it speaks to us here and now this morning. Lord, I thank you that in Jesus we can know the glories of your kingdom even now as we hear the good news, Lord. God, I pray that this would uh, cause us to to just rejoice and celebrate uh, in our living hope that we find in you uh, even today. So we praise you and thank you for this time. Thank you for speaking to us and being with us by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Last week I was... I was poking fun and joking around about uh, how us pastors love to make it sound like, you know, we have a couple verses and, and we love to kind of humble brag and say like, oh, I know it's just a few verses, but I can make a whole sermon series out of this because I just got so much material on it and there's so much to say and everything. And it's, I was joking because it's fairly true. And then this week as I, as I was writing and stuff and praying and studying, uh, it was a little ironic because my notes of, of mostly cross-references with this scriptures, my notes started getting longer and longer and longer. And the, the, you know, the passages that were related to this one was, were just going on and on. And there was so many. There's a, uh, the things that Peter talks about are, are richly referenced all throughout uh, you know the Bible, so I, ha- I have to limit the other passages that I'm going to be linking to it today. But I will be doing that as we go through. So we're going to just talk about uh, each of the three verses, as well as some other ones which relate back. Let's start at the beginning. The first phrase that Peter says concerning this salvation: What salvation? Which salvation is is this concerning? Well, it's the one that uh, Peter just described a few verses ago and that we discussed last week. It's the living hope that Christians inherit when we accept new life in Christ. It's the outcome of our faith, which we will reap in full when Christ returns to bring his church home to him. This is the salvation that, that Peter is, is carrying on from concerning this salvation that we have. So it is concerning this salvation that the prophets prophesied. Very interesting. Before we start talking about that, I'll, I'll note that uh, there are a few people who are uh, deep in debate about the prophets that Peter refers to. He says the prophets prophesied. Uh, there's two camps. The one uh, 
simply agrees that the prophets are of the Old Testament. You know, the, the prophets who we refer to from before Jesus' time. And there's other people who say, well, the prophets, that could mean New Testament prophets, right, that, that, who are prophesying. Um, but if we look at verse 11, uh, Peter says that the, the prophets predicted the sufferings of Christ, right? So why would the prophets who are prophesying after Christ's coming and suffering have to predict his suffering. That doesn't really make any sense. So for our purposes, it's clear that Peter would be referring to the prophets of old, prophets like Amos, uh, Hosea, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, who we know well because we uh, read through the book of Malachi in the fall, and so on and so on. There's quite a few in the Old Testament, and this is who Peter is referring to when he says that they were speaking of our salvation. These are the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to be yours, says Peter. The prophets of the Old Testament were speaking of the grace that was destined to be yours and mine through Christ. So this is basically the, this kind of sums up the idea that I was alluding to before the passage. The thing that when it was taught to me and when I received it really changed the way that I uh, read scripture and have, it's continued to change it as time has gone on. Um, I was, I was raised in churches and around Sunday school and scripture and everything. I've loved God for a long time and I've, I've known the Bible and loved the Bible for a long time, but it wasn't until uh, my 20s when this concept about Christ and all of Scripture and how it reflects back to my salvation, it wasn't until later in life here at the gate uh, where that kind of clicked for me and really changed my faith from there on in. Jesus talked to his disciples about what Peter is teaching us. Jesus taught his disciples about it in the Gospel of Luke. Um, chapter 24, uh, before, this, before our passage, the disciples are talking to Jesus, and they're kind of, um, I think they're annoyed with him because Jesus uses stories all the time to explain things about the kingdom of heaven. We call them parables, and they're saying, Jesus... Enough with the parables. Could you just, like, talk to us normally for once? Because it's, it's too confusing when you're always, you know, using metaphors and stuff. And Jesus is saying, well, how could you understand, you know, the glories if I were to say them straight to you? Um, the parables are for your benefit. So he's talking about the way that he talks. And uh, this is what he says to his disciples in 24, uh, 44 to 47. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So as I read through that, could you see how Peter is, 
Peter basically copied Jesus' teaching, I think, when he shares what he did in, in 1 Peter 1. That Jesus spent his time fulfilling prophecies. Jesus did specific things through his, throughout his ministry, of course, but spe- uh, more generally the things that he did throughout his ministry were f- to fulfill prophecies that were set in place before he came, hundreds of years before he came, perhaps thousands for some, right? The prophets couldn't have even known, you know, the time and the place and the specifics, the ways in which Jesus would be fulfilling these things. And so it says that Jesus himself opened the disciples' minds to the scriptures, and he does the same for us today. It's good. So this is why Peter says in verse 11, he reminds us that that it's the spirit of Christ that is speaking in and through those prophets. This is another amazing distinction that Peter makes, at least to me, because um, when we read the prophets and we we hear about Old Testament prophecies, um, I think sometimes we we see the prophets as as just um, through some strange process being able to obtain kind of uh, like fortune telling or something. They're just on a different plane. You know, they're so spiritual that they're able to, to talk about things that are to come. And yes, they're very spiritual. They walk so closely with God that he speaks through them. But notice how Peter says that it was Christ's spirit in them speaking. Christ speaking in and through those prophets. We can take this to mean quite simply that Jesus spoke through the prophets about his own coming. Jesus was speaking through those prophets about himself and his own coming. How cool is that? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, I don't know, I just like how, how straightforward that seems. That yes, they were, they were predicting things and making prophecies, but it was actually Jesus talking about himself before he came. That's awesome. And there's layers to that, but I'm excited by this in general because to me it unifies Scripture, right? The Old and New Testament are, are they are different. And so it's very uh, easy to, to see them as, as very separate or as incompatible or at least, I don't know, contradictory or something in some ways. But through Peter's teaching, we can learn that the, the, all of Scripture are united not just thematically or historically or things like that, which they are, but most importantly, Peter shows that the Scriptures are unified by the author of them himself, by God. Now there's... Uh, as you may know, there's a, there's a staggering amount of, of prophecies and connections and truths that span uh, space and time all throughout God's word that you can, you can dig into. And they're numerous, uh, specifically things about Jesus, about uh, when he would be born, where, why, to whom, how he would be born. That's just his birth. Um, about the things that he would do in his ministry, in his life, about his death and resurrection, about the church, uh, the circumstances, all these things. There's prophecies in the Old Testament which we can trace to the fulfillment of them in the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
It's amazing. Acts 10, uh, Acts 10:43 reiterates this fact that he is the one, Jesus, is the one who all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And the Apostle Paul later in another letter to the Ephesians um, speaks to this as well, about the, the scripture being unified through Christ. If we read Ephesians 1, 7 to 10, Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We can apply that to his word, of course. So Paul reminds us and and explains a little bit of that overarching, you know, the biblical narrative, possibly the, the most important message from all of Scripture is the redemption of people back to God, though they are sinners, that he would promise to make a way for salvation for sinners so that people can be in relationship with him. And Paul talks about that. And he says at the end, Jesus, he it was set forth in Christ outside of the, the bounds of time. And Jesus was the, f- the fullness of that promise. God's plan to redeem people back to him through Jesus was set in motion long before he came to earth. Okay, uh, back to First Peter. I'll just read verse 11 again. The prophets were inquiring what person or what time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So we've kind of already talked about most of the verse, but let's consider for a moment something that came up last week as well. At the end of verse 11, uh, Peter talks about Christ and the subsequent glories. Glories is plural here. It's not singular. He doesn't say Christ and his subsequent glory. If he did, that would refer specifically to the glory of Christ, right? But Peter says Christ and the subsequent glories. And we found this last week as well. By saying this, that Peter is concerned with broadening our understanding of God's glory and of the the glory that Christ wins for us. Uh, through his work on the cross, right? The glory of Christ is Christ himself, but in its fullness, it will overflow and overwhelm all that is a part of God's kingdom, including us, his people, right? The glories that Peter refers to is part of the glory that we are going to receive as our inheritance and a reward in Christ. We talked about that last week, but it's coming up again. Okay. Though it is Christ who suffered for our sin, we will know and enjoy the glories earned by him. This is what Peter is teaching us in verse 10. Or sorry, verse 11, I should say. Um, okay, verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. 
the prophets. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things onto which, into which angels long to look. Okay, so formerly there were the, the men, great men and women of God who were, who were teaching and preaching and sharing God's will, no matter how hard it was, you know, for them to speak to their people and, and say what God wanted to say. Uh, sometimes they were laying down their lives. But these prophets, he says, were not serving themselves. Even if they wanted to be, they couldn't because they didn't even necessarily know the fullness of what they were speaking in their prophecies. They were simply obeying and following through. And it was for us. They served us because now, in reading the prophecies, the statements, and the, uh, the things all throughout Scripture, If we know Christ, we can see the depth of the love that God has for people and the lengths to which he would go to come come through on his promise, right, to make a way for us. That even before Christ would come, that God had destined us for new life in him and salvation in Christ. So Isaiah was not serving himself as a means to an end. Malachi was not just serving himself as some means to an end. He was serving you. And then at the end there, as as we hear the gospel, as we receive the goodness of Christ, Peter says that angels long to look onto this. Angels are the highest being in in the heavenly realm. They worship in the throne room of God, right? And they long... They long to look on that which we know because of our relationship with God through Christ. Angels long. It's not that they can't, you know, see it, but it's that they aren't subject to the grace which we've received because of our need for it and sin, right? Angels aren't fallen in sin in the way that humanity has. But the magnitude of the grace which we've received. You know, Peter was talking about grace a couple of verses ago. The magnitude of this is so great that even the angels who commune and know know God so closely, they, they long to be a part of that which we have the opportunity of entering into through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's awesome. To be the object of God's love and receive his love in the name of grace. This is the most glorious prize. Um, one author summed it up like this. He says, Old Testament prophets saw it from afar, and angels also marvel when gazing upon what God has done in Christ. We actually experience it. We get to experience it. Remember at the beginning how I was talking about maybe missing the, the, the fullness of a meaning of a song that I love or something, right? Because I just didn't have maybe the tools to obtain it or nobody had shared with me what the song was about. I never even considered it, maybe. I hope that this morning as we read this passage and, and consider what Peter's getting at, that it would remind us of the wonderful, uh, com- more, uh, complete, unified meaning of Scripture, okay? That we wouldn't miss out 
as we uh, sometimes struggle to read those Old Testament uh, parts of the book, right? They're, man, they can be tough to get through for us. But we can't miss the message, the goodness of the gospel of Christ as we go through these things. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll tell you about what it's meant for me, right? I've, I, I say that this kind of came into my beliefs and my theology a little bit later in life, not that long ago, but it's continued, right? It's, some, it's, it's a tool that's continued to build my faith and encourage me and reveal to me more about God and about Jesus and the love that he has for me as I've, as I've uh, carried forward with it. So we're, I hope that um, as we hear this, this teaching from Peter, that it will have a similar effect on us moving forward. Maybe you haven't, you know, maybe this hasn't been taught to you before about Christ in all of Scripture. Well, then uh, take it with you as you go. And maybe you have that I'm sure that you can attest uh, um, and confirm what, what I've said, that it continues. You know, it's not something that you just uh, hear and know and think, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. It's something that, that will hopefully affect and build your faith as you continue to dig into the Word and believe. We're going to uh, respond to this with communion and worship. Uh, First, let's pray. Lord God, as I said before, I thank you for the living hope of, of new life. I thank you for the hope that we can have by the grace which you have poured out on us through Christ. Thank you that you uh, freely give this grace, this salvation to all who would accept and receive it. We worship you for this today. God, I worship you for making a way to save us back to you, to make good on your promise that people could know you and be with you in the end, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus to make this happen. And God, as, as we uh, shared in, in the words of Peter, Lord, um, may our eyes continue to be open to what you would say to us in Scripture, no matter where it is that we're reading God and where, or where we happen to be in our faith, Lord. As Jesus said to his, or as Jesus uh, did with his disciples, he opened their minds to understand the word. God, I pray that uh, we would continue to have that, uh, that know that your spirit would uh, do that for us as we read uh, your scripture and as we pray, God, that you would open our minds uh, and, and, and sharpen what we see through the, the glorious image of Christ as we do this. So Holy Spirit, guide us, guide each of us where we're at today and going forward from here, Lord. We love you and thank you for all these things.